there's literally no better time than to welcome the Bubby. What up? Yay! I know. Well, I'm wearing Dan's because his got left or Dan. showed up the day that he left. Dan doesn't. And know. also, I've got Drew's. And since Hi. I've got Drew's cup, ah, I feel kind of obligated slash enticed to do a shot for every $25 raised during my segment. I am not a big drinker. The last time that I was really drunk, it was recorded actually with you and Dan. It was the drunk draft. I was fucking oh schmammered. It was God. years ago. So go. perhaps it'll happen. Oh shit, what happened? Chris Yaney, thank you so much. $9.69 donation for Ashley having to put up with Dan. 69, dudes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm actually in his office right now because he took my Surface Pro and this room makes my like makes me skeeve because like there's the aborted baby thing. There's laundry everywhere. There's magic cards stacked up all over the desk, like precariously high. You should build <sighs> a couple decks during our discussion. It'll be it'll be great. You mean just like <laughs> you must be kidding, aren't you? I don't uh, know how to do that stuff. Dan, Dan, I have to I have to refresh that in Streamlabs because your your bubby 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 was so long it literally pushed the donation itself off the page. Uh one hundred dollar donation from Dan. Thank you so so much, Dan. Her eyes right now, she didn't realize you were gonna do that before she committed to a shot every twenty-five dollars. Oh my god. Okay, hold on. Uh, oh so fuck cancer there's a there's a 300 dollar limit or a 300 character <sighs> limit for uh your donations so i filled it up with oh, yeah. <laughs> julio, julio you're the right, you're the right. absolute worst he's saying mess with his cards unstack those triggers i should he just fucking mario in the bar donated 25 dollars start drinking <laughs> <laughs> oh my god $25. I'm so, so, so sorry that you live with Dan. Also, cheers. Okay, wait, this is four. Oh my god. <laughs> that's that's six so far. You could you, I I mean, know. you don't have to chug them all right no, no, now. No. You could do them through. I do, now. otherwise I'll never be A, I won't be drunk during this, and that is apparently what people want to see. And two, I will never get caught up if I don't do it at once. Yeah, that's fair. That's very fair. Oh my lord. Thank God it's good alcohol. <laughs> Didn't know North Carolina dish 50 mil shots. Uh, Fucking Woodford Reserve. I got it for my dad for Christmas like two years ago. And I drink so rarely that I still have half of it left. And it's only like a little, was that a fifth? Three, 375 milliliter. We got all the lipstick on Drew's cup too. It's my cup. My cup. Oh, six, bitch. Okay. I'm dead. Well, I hate to tell you this, but Jared Taylor just donated $25.31 and he said bottoms up. Bottoms up, bottoms up. Hey, let me get him cup. Girl, you know I love the way you tear the club up. Those nerds over there donated $25 and said I'm so sorry. Oh my God. Here we go. Y'all are gonna kill me. I've got no money to take me to the hospital. Um, Drew Hallam. Um, let me let me read that uh, donation message, Drew. Just just a moment here. Uh, let's see. Uh, Drew Hallam donated $50. He said, Hey Shlee, give me two drink from my mug, Drew. <laughs> that's for the one i feel like oh my god i feel like we're gonna kill her <laughs> you funny. might dan she's gonna die right there and knock all your magic cards off the desk when she goes <sighs> okay two for drew <laughs> oh my god i love you so much oh it tastes like burning <laughs> Oh, fuck, I accidentally... Okay, well, Drew, this is a big one, so... Turn your name around for this one. Okay, just help me. I feel like... I feel like you've earned that. Oh, my God! I'm texting her dad oh, right my God. now to let him know that she's had eight shots of fucking bourbon. <laughs> so Ashley That was more than eight. Oh, okay. Let's get to talking about this before that all kicks in, because that's going to be 
intense. It's going to be like camping. It's going to be intense. So first of all, please, um, if if the audience isn't familiar with with who you are, besides you are obviously the Bubby. Obviously. um, Could you please, could you please let them know a little bit about Rabbit Ears TV? Okay, so Rabbit Ears TV podcast is a show in which myself and then various guest hosts will come on and discuss a TV show that is no longer on the air in its entirety. And it really made me realize what a psychopath I am because I didn't know how much I knew about TV and how much I'd seen until I started doing the podcast. Like, I might be insane. And then since doing the podcast, I will like give um, the IMDb rundown. So now it embedded in my brain is release dates and like how many episodes are in TV shows. So like somebody mentions, oh, don't trust me. I was like, yes, yeah, 2011, blah, 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 blah. And I look like a fucking psychopath. So <laughs> yeah, it's really something that I'm passionate about. We release episodes. We, I release episodes the third Friday of every month, barring you know, shit that gets in the way of life. Like Gerald was supposed to be on for last month, but he had to have emergency surgery. I'm really feeling those fucking shots. God, Gerald's the worst. Oh my God. So I don't blame him. Like I, I do this for fun. I I don't want, I used to do this as a weekly podcast and it was way too stressful and I was not having fun, but then Dan encouraged me to come back and do it monthly and I'm having a blast. Um, That's normally this weekend to try to watch that much TV. It's too much show. Well, so then um, I was supposed to record like this is normally my recording weekend, but because we have live stream, Paul and I are recording next Sunday for Flight of the Concord. So that episode will be out. I've never I've I've seen like part of the first episode. I haven't even started watching yet because I'm such a procrastinator, but I watched all of Better Call Saul in one day. So like I got this. Me? Oh, I cannot wait. So you've been here before uh, for live stream for The Cure. This is our third consecutive year, I think. I believe so. I have my old notes. So I have season four and season three. So I think that's when we started. Yeah. So, I mean, we've been here every year. Now, as I said before the segment, ladies and gentlemen, if you have not seen Better Call Saul season five, we are going to spoil probably pretty much everything about it. So just keep that in mind if you are not wanting to be spoiled. Just this will be released afterward, and then you can come back, and then you can this check it out later. this season, season five came out almost a year ago because I watched it live, and then I rewatched it for this segment. And and like if you haven't watched it by now, I'm sorry, but also a lot of people are not watching this. It should be, and people who are fr- fans of Breaking Bad, I really, really encourage you to watch this because it is so satisfying. It's so good. It is it is it is beyond good. So season four uh, basically wraps up with Jimmy is kind of trying to deal with the aftermath of Chuck's death and kind of devolving further into uh, into this uh, moral gray area that he seems to like to operate in. Of course, he's got a relationship with Kim Wexler criminally overlooked whenever it comes to awards for this show. Rhea Seahorn deserves literally all of them. Um, and then we have a new player. So after Hector has the stroke, uh, we have a new player in the Salamanca family in the form of Lalo that comes in. We have Gus Fring trying to work on a super meth lab of sorts, we'll say. And also trying to take over all of the cartel um, business in the in America. Yep. Or I guess at least in New Mexico. Yep. And then uh, basically, you and, and you, of course, have got Mike... <laughs> Working for Fring, Ugh. but also working with Nacho, who, of course, is doing his own thing as well. And the season season four ends at the courthouse uh, with Jimmy, because Jimmy had lost his law license because of some dealings with Chuck. Uh, gets his law license back, but he doesn't want to be Jimmy McGill anymore. He wants to be Saul Goodman. Goodman. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. So the, every season starts out with the black and white look at what's going on with um, Jimmy at this point. And what's his fucking name? I have it written Gene, down. Hold on. Gene. Gene. Yes. So where we last left off with the black and white was he was in a cab and it was a New Mexico, like former resident that was driving him and he believes he's been recognized. And like there's. There's something about like you only get like maybe five minutes of this story progressing every season. So like the way that this story progressed, it's really at this point, it's gotten involved enough that it's captivating as fuck. Um, 
So just watching how he's dealing with his life now post Breaking Bad and all this shit is just so fun to be able to kind of like get to see the sneak peek. Nick, I'm fucking drunk. I mean, you did drink like an inhuman amount of bourbon in a very short amount of time. So I am not surprised. Are you okay? Do you need? I'm fine. No, no, no. I'm just like my head is surrounded by a fuzzy cloud and like my ears are ringing more than normal. But I'm I'm fine. Nobody do anything mean at this point. Okay. We've got um. We, if, if nobody knows that the black and white stuff in Better Call Saul at the be- at the very beginning of every season. So if you remember at the end of Breaking Bad, he gets shipped off by the cleaner guy, the vacuum cleaner guy, to where he has that quip where he's going to be managing a Cinnabon in Omaha. <laughs> That's exactly what ends up happening to him, and we just get one piece. It's one little piece of where Saul is post Breaking Bad. That's it post breaking bad and then literally the whole rest of the show but that's what she's talking about when she talks about the uh the black and white stuff so it just gives you a little bit of piece uh, of kind of his story that happens after the fact which is i i really i I these are some of my favorite moments and in this one like he's worried like you said in the season four one that he may have gotten recognized he's sitting at a bench He's eating lunch. Well, first it starts with this whole thing where he gets out like this Band-Aid b- box full of diamonds or something. That and then he like changes license plate. He calls the vacuum guy, like all this stuff yeah. that like is, I guess, technically like dangling threads that they can then pick up on and use. It's just so interesting to see how like because you like the Better Call Saul is all prequel stuff. But then you do get that flash forward of knowing like how his life has turned out. So you always kind of have that in the back of your head. I know how the story is going to end and it really makes the whole thing so much more tragic while watching it. It, I mean, it really, really does. And we'll talk a lot more about uh, some specific characters, especially in this season. I mean, if you watch Better Call Saul and if you watch Breaking Bad, you know very specifically that there are certain characters who do not appear in nor are mentioned in Breaking Bad. Now, it's easy to say that that's because, of course, Better Call Saul wasn't planned to be a thing when Breaking Bad was created, so they didn't create that backstory. But that means, basically, when writing the prequel, the genius that Vince Gilligan is, uh, is going to have to find a way to get these characters out of continuity so that we understand why they're missing from Breaking Bad, because especially characters like Nacho and Kim are huge, absolutely huge in this world now. And even like Howard, even like Hamlin, Hamlin McGill. Yep. All these different elements of all this stuff are so prominent in Better Call Saul that just don't appear later. And I think it's something to talk about more toward the end of this segment, but God, we're headed for some just insanity in season. It's got to be like, I'll get to it later because I have some talking points to to discuss after our little thing. Um, But yeah, I think, would you rather go through the progression of the series or would you rather talk about like talking points? I think we'd rather better do talking points because it's going to be easy to forget about stuff or we'd be too rushed to talk about the final episode. All right. We did that. Let's start off. What are some of your favorite moments? Because I have a list. I took notes per episode. And like, this fucking show blows me away. And I do not say that lightly. There are some moments that I literally like get so excited. And this is my second viewing of it. I fucking love so much of the stuff that happens in the show. So like, what are some of the parts and like moments that you really geeked out about? I mean, for starters, you know, to start with the man himself, you know, he rebrands himself as Saul Goodman. So obviously he's now fully embracing kind of the persona that we are all familiar with from Breaking Bad. But there's moments in this. So Howard, you know, comes to him with an idea that like he wants to hire him to work at Hamlin, Hamlin McGill. Now that Chuck's dead and, and all this stuff, Howard is like all of a sudden wanting to bring Jimmy in. And basically I love that he, he, he hires prostitutes and sends them to a restaurant to fuck with him. He throws bowling balls over the fence of his, of his house to smash in his car and stuff. And then there's a scene at the courthouse where Howard is like, mad at jimmy for basically not taking his offer seriously or dismissing him or whatever and like jimmy just unleashes on him and it's one of the most satisfying character moments in this series like literally to date because howard has been such a piece of shit to jimmy all such a 
dick. Like the, the, the way that Jimmy just absolutely unloads on him is it's so glorious. And then you even have like Kim tied into that because there's a time when Kim just absolutely fucking lights Howard up about it too. And oh, it was great. last season. It was so fucking good. It was so satisfying. Yeah. I love when Kim fucking reads and checks these fucking asshole boys. It's uh, so good. Yeah. That I was, love her so much. That was easily probably one of the absolute highlights of the season for me because like, like, and, and you can argue about all the morally gray stuff that Jimmy does. You definitely can. Cause there's a lot of stuff like when he does the whole cell phone thing and he's like trying like legitimately chasing after like the not best clientele. Like, yeah. You, I mean, whatever that is what it is, but like, this but that character, business plan is solid. I mean, it, it kind of really, really is. But you love this character so much. And you have seen him between the treatment of his, you know, from his brother, from Hamlin, Hamlin, McGill. Literally, everybody has always shit on him. So when he basically finds his identity, finds who he is and who he wants to be, and then just fucking lights Howard up, it's glorious. They, Vince Gilligan does such a great job and he did it in Breaking Bad. He's doing it again in Better Call Saul where he has done so much developing of each character that you really understand every reason why they're doing what they're doing. You understand all of the subtext. You just, every thing that he shoots and includes in the episode has a purpose and has a meaning. Yeah. So it's just like, for instance, like in w the end of one episode, Nacho comes and picks up, um, we'll just call him Saul, from the courthouse and he's eating an ice cream cone. He's not allowed to bring the ice cream cone into the car. So he drops it. The next episode opens with all the ants all over it. And it's like a whole like, close up. And it's just like, under you understand like how much time has passed. You understand like the fucking metaphor of like all of the fucking pests and stuff. Like It's just like, it's so cool. He does such a great job of making everything a part of the story. There's no superfluous anything. I mean, can we also, I mean, you mentioned him as well, but can, I mean, we also mentioned, I mean, how much I'm loving Michael Mando as Nacho. I mean, there, in this, in this season, especially like there's this undercurrent, like uh, Gus, you know, basically, as they say, he puts a gun to his dad's head, his dad, who wants so badly for Nacho to just go to the police, own up to what you've done, accept your punishment, get out of this life because it's going to get you killed. And yes. like, you can feel the fear that Nacho has for his dad and how desperately he wants to try to get out from underneath this as he's getting dragged back into it by both Lalo Salamanca and Gus Fring. I mean, it's yeah. just insane. And like the, the way that he has to fucking, I guess, balance and is he so precariously in between both sides of what should be the same team, but in all, in all actuality, they're at war between Lalo and Fring's side. But then he's, it made me feel better for him because like right after he got sucked into it with his dad, he realized that Mike was the number two and he was the guy he was reporting to. He's like, listen, this is some fucked up shit. You got to help me. And Mike, of course, like he's a decent guy doing an indecent job like wants to help him. And so like that made me feel at least a little bit like he wasn't out there on an island. Yeah, and like, I that love was good. how much especially like the first part of, of this season uh is is dedicated to Mike really being conflicted about killing Werner in season 4. You know, like oh. it's definitely something he absolutely didn't want to do and like you can tell like I love when you know he basically says to Fring like like, because Fring wants to keep paying him, even though they can't keep working on anything while Lalo Salamanca is on the American side of the border. But he wants to pay him what he calls a retainer. And then Mike's like, screw your retainer. Like, I'm done with this. I don't want to do it anymore. You know, the tension between Mike and Gus in that scene is so fucking good. He's like, keep your money. He's like, First, though, Gus is like, I would be careful about what you say next. And he's like, keep your money. And I'm like, yeah. oof. I would not want to piss either of them off. Like yeah. those are two it's great. scary motherfuckers. And Mike is like that one character who like, you know how scary Gus Spring is. You know what he's capable of. Mike is the only character that basically just stands in front of him and just says, I don't give a fuck. And then like, he has that whole uh, thing with Jimmy this season where like he sits there and, and they're talking and he kind of explains to him, like, he doesn't doesn't matter to him whether or not he lives or dies or whatever. Like his whole thing is just taking care of the people that he loves, taking care of his loved ones. I love how much you get to peel 
into Mike, how much you get into his character. And Jonathan Banks is just so good. He's so good. I love him. There was that scene with him um, and his granddaughter, and they were like working on the steps to the treehouse, and she kept asking about her father. Mm -hmm. And you could see, like, it didn't have to show any flashbacks, but you could see in his face, like, how guilty he felt. He's like, So my dad was a good guy. And he's like, Yeah, he was a good guy. And he's thinking, You know, he's thinking, like, but me not being a good guy is why he's not here today. And he fucking, like, loses his shit on the kid. And, like, I just felt so bad for him. All the time, like as much as he is involved in these horrible and horrific things, he is a good guy that you can relate to. Well, relate to, but then also like get behind <laughs> and <laughs> want him to succeed. I mean, I, I I love you know you you get that current of where this killing Werner has has like kind of triggered something in him, you know, remembering back to losing his son. And, you know, then, you know, he's basically just going out and like, at one point he, he goes walking out and like all these street hoodlums try to try to yes. mess with him. And he just, Oh my God. Yes. Knocks the one dude out. And then like, but he just like, he's so full of self loathing and like, he's just so angry. Like he literally goes back to face down, even though he knows it's he's so overwhelmed and outnumbered and they just beat him down. He feels like he deserves to, like yeah. that pain. He deserves it, and he wants it, like to put himself in a position a where he can release some of his anger by punching and beating these guys, but also get the kind of like I guess just desserts that he feels like he is deserving of. Yeah, and I mean it's so good. I mean, I, I just we need I, I think the most important character this season to talk about and and i think the most important kind of character arc in this season is kim wexler um i mean please and and there's a whole runner i kind of want to talk to you about this as well of what is going to happen to Kim Wexler? Like, not that is one of my talking points because, like, what we know she's not at all in Breaking Bad, but I've we don't know why. I've got a theory for you. Okay. Okay. What's your theory? I don't think she dies. I hope but, not. I'll be heartbroken. But I think she gets vacuum cleaner guide. I think that her and Jimmy, like she, because we've seen like, there's one point when, when Jimmy is missing, like when he goes out to pick up the bail money and gets ambushed by that gang and whatever, and Jimmy's missing, like she straight up goes to prison to confront Lalo Salamanca. Yeah. So now she's involved. Yeah. She's in that life. And I think that there's still (laughs) within Kim. Shawnee McKibbs just donated $100. He said, I'm cold and there are wolves after me. Thank you so much, Mr. Kibler, for your $100 mm-hmm. donation. I love you. Um, oh, but God, yeah, y'all. Kim's in I was going to say, don't now. be scared because I feel okay, but here we go. Hundies. Hundy P. Hundy P. There's lipstick all around the rim of this fucking glass. It's never coming off, you guys. Yes. <laughs> We're here for it. We're all here for it. I love it. But like, I mean, I I think that because Kim is so involved, but she still has that little bit of morality that's kind of pulling her back. I think Kim's going to make a point where she's going to go too far with something and she's going to need to get out. And I think that that's how Saul meets the vacuum cleaner guy, because we haven't met him yet in the Better Call Saul universe. Have we? Outside of the black and white snow. Yeah. I mean, and I know that actor did pass away, like, you know, unfortunately. So, like, they'll have to do a stand-in or they'll have to do something else with that. But I really, I don't think she's going to die. Nacho, I there's no there's no end that's not tragic for Nacho, uh, sadly. But I, I yeah. think Kim, and, and I think, like, if you really think about it, like, I, I would be willing to bet anything that she gets vacuum cleaner guide that she has to get sent away um like to not like and 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 she and jimmy can't have contact anymore or whatever because she's like like her life is in danger like that's what i really feel like is going to happen and i really please for the love of god it would be the ultimate bookend to season six if we get like a flash forward at the very end with like a black and white thing of jimmy finding kim and them being able to like be together somehow or something. when was the last time in this universe you got a happy ending i know that's why i want one so bad but i we're probably not going to get one but let me be a wishful thinker for at least one more season 
I don't think that she dies just based on how Saul is in Breaking Bad. I don't think he's dark enough in order to have had that happen. Yeah. So, like, I agree. I don't think that she's dead. But there are indications, like, throughout the series, there was different parts where, like... (sighs) Like when she's trying to convince her guy to take the plea bargain deal Mm -hmm. and he wants to go to trial and Jimmy comes up with the whole, like, I'll be from the DA's office. We're taking the deal off the table. And she's like, no, I don't want to manipulate my client like that. But then she goes and does it and feels like shit about herself. And then there's like the other um, time when they're standing on the balcony drinking beers and Jimmy puts his empty empty bottle on the balcony railing and you can tell she's just eyeballing it like Jimmy's on the edge. It's making me uncomfortable. I'm not. And she snatches it back. Mm -hmm. I feel like perhaps he takes it too far to a point where she has to extricate herself from the situation because it's too much for her. Like he's going too far down that path i was really expecting that to happen this season as well i mean you think about like she now knows that like he has he's he's in with the cartel and like he's being a lawyer for all these shady types of people and everything and like there's even moments like there's a moment in this in this season like halfway through where he just straight up betrays her like she's trying to save which is a great little subplot of her trying to save the old guy where they want to build the ackerman the verde call center it's a great, great little subplot. She's trying to save him, so she enlists Jimmy to represent him and basically stall out Mesa Verde until they're willing to rem- to move it to a different Time location. Out. Go ahead. I need to address how he gets Ackerman to be his client because he shows him a picture. He's so anti Mesa Verde, so he shows him a picture. We don't see it. It's just a man fucking a horse. Is the picture? <laughs> because this guy's so salty he doesn't want to trust any lawyers ever then he shows him that and this guy is fucking like in with him after that yeah he 100 gets in with it which is absolutely absolutely it's so good but i love that whole subset but then like kevin you know the ceo of mesa verde is so adamant about it and like so like refusing to be pushed around even when jimmy concocts that whole scheme of like those phony ads to try to damage their reputation or whatever like then like but that's the whole thing like that's at that meeting like he doesn't tell kim about it he completely he he turns it's like she says to him it's like you turned you know ackerman versus mesa verde into me versus you you know and he completely pulls the rug out from underneath her and then her solution is let's get married so we have like she every time and, and you made a perfect point like where she's in um you know with the client with not wanting to betray her client's trust but then she does it anyway she eventually follows jimmy how much further could she possibly follow jimmy at this point like i was really expecting her at some point to pull back and be like jimmy i can't do this anymore and to be and to and to hit a breaking point when she didn't and she kind of just doubled down on like being part of the whole saul goodman thing i'm like that blew I me the fuck away. I can't believe it, and like I like it. It makes it makes me so sad for Kim Wexler because you know this character is not. She's headed for some kind of tragic end, something. I don't think she dies, but I I really really do believe. And maybe they even threw the vacuum cleaner thing in the in the little flash forward thing as kind of even like a foreshadowing or something. I yeah. really feel like she's gonna have to get vacuum cleaner guy i hate to just call it that but that's you know whatever it is like i really really feel like because we haven't met him in better call saul and we probably kind of have to for continuity's sake is that how jimmy meets that guy or finds that guy because he needs to get kim out of town in a way because she's in danger like i i just oh i I, i'm scared for kim She is the most relatable character for me in this series because she's got her foot grounded in a side of wanting to do the right thing and not like being manipulative and not being shysty. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, she's, I guess, in love with Saul. Like I, their relationship still feels fucking weird to me in terms of like, there's, they're just not. There, I see like an intellectual companionship, but I don't see like the physical side of it that much. Like it just feels. And I think that's different. because they don't shoot a lot of that. Like they'll wake up naked in bed together where they've cleaned yeah, well, up and stuff. 
and whatever and you know there'll be different scenes like but they I, almost never kiss they never are like physically affectionate with yeah. each other on screen so it feels so that's why it maybe feels a little bit like intangible but i mean to go back like even previous seasons like we've seen like when they run the scams on the on the people at the at the at the hotel bars and stuff yeah to get them to buy like that really fancy and she even grabbed that when she left um the top uh, the stopper or whatever the top the yeah the, the agave plant top so she loves it though like there's a part of her that loves the thrill of being like this person of kind of dipping her toes in and like does she dip her toes in too far i i, I feel like she does sometimes she, she goes past to. a point where she already in what we've seen she goes past a point of where she's comfortable mm -hmm. because she's attracted to it but then she hates herself afterwards or she feels guilty because she has something in her that stops her whereas jimmy does not yeah exactly and i mean then you know of course we get like to the end of the season and she quits swikert and coakley gives up mesa verde gives all that stuff up after jimmy basically disappears and like she knows too she knows like she finds the coffee cup with the bullet hole in it lalo salamanca comes to their house which is such a great oh, scene yes oh my god when and she then, fucking she yes. we get another basically like her versus howard her schooling lalo and Holy shutting his fuck. ass down oh. is so satisfying it's so tense and it's so perfect and then she just fucking unleashes on him be like what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, what the hell is what the hell is the point of this? Like, is, like, like her just and him just straight up just like he has no way to respond to her, so he just straight nope. walks out the house. <laughs> like, he doesn't even know what to say to her. Like, he's like this really super intimidating dude in the cartel, and she just is like, bitch. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Like, How does let's talk about Lalo for a second, by mm. the way, because he is such a like. I guess polar opposite of Gus Fring, like they're both terrifying, but he's so charismatic, so fucking bright seeming and like thinks everything's funny. He's always just like embracing and enjoying like life, even though he's in this dark ass shit, whereas Gus is just like Mr. Stoic. So it's just like, he's so, he seems like affable and like somebody you'd want to hang out with, but at the same time, like he's fucking terrifying. Can I, can I throw this in here at you as well? Um, this is the only show I think on television and get Vince Gilligan is the only show runner that could ever make a kid scrubbing a fryer so fucking tense because of the way that whole scene is constructed while Gus is waiting for that phone call like that. I'm just like, I'm like terrified for this kid. Like, I'm like, is Gus going to like throw this kid in the fucking fryer? Like what's going to happen to this kid? Like that shit was tense as fuck. Only Vince Gilligan could make a kid scrubbing out a fryer that compelling. Seriously. Let me tell you, I've worked in restaurants for a really long time and like had to check out the fry guy. My fry guy would kill me if I ever made him fucking boil out the fryers and scrub them that many times. Like that is an hour and a half fucking investment each time. I mean, that's, that's intense i felt terrible for him that's the power of gus frig but i mean and he's like it's okay i'll do it myself and he's like oh no 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 i'll do it i'll do it i mean it, i think it's it's just perfect and it just goes to show how much respect gus demands even in his real job or whatever yeah. but to go back to lalo like you said like there is a cold calculating kind of menace to that character but you're right he's so perfectly He's so charismatic and he's just tr he he has this like really bright personality and stuff. But then we've seen what he is capable of, like we like with the travel wire thing oh. in, in season four. Like we've seen how brutal this character can be. And he is obviously someone who is immensely feared. So like. It, it's it's such a I mean, Tony Dalton is 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 fantastic in the role. I mean, I love that they kind of fleshed out a lot more of the Salamanca family and like the Salamanca crime family in better call Saul mm -hmm. I mean I just yeah it, it, you're and right. then we get to see the twins when they deliver the bond or whatever to to Jimmy out in the desert it's the fucking <laughs> the scary ass twins with their fucking sharks skin suits and their fucking skull capped boots it's like such a great scene where they just go to what i can only describe as a warehouse full of money and just stack two bags full and then they literally just walk up to jimmy and just drop him uncomfortably close to his legs and walk away 
and walk away. I don't even think they said anything. No, no, they, they were didn't. quiet. Yeah, they were silent the whole time. Um, one of my favorite Lalo scenes where he is just like, I guess, laughing in the face of terror is when they're sitting in the car and that meth apartment or whatever is being raided by the cops and Nacho decides in order to earn Lalo's trust to sneak in and get all of the meth out of there. Yes. And Lalo's just sitting in the front of the car eating, I guess, peanuts or whatever and watching this happen and just laughing. Yeah. Yeah. Just eating like, oh, this crazy motherfucker. Oh, my God. It's such a tense scene. It's so perfect. uh, And he is literally just sitting there eating snacks and just laughing the whole time. Like, it's... But, I mean, that's... I mean, and that's, again, genius writing uh, and genius acting because, you know, of course, Nacho needs to prove himself that he's trustworthy to Lalo because he needs to get close enough to be able to provide useful information to Gus because, because Gus has a gun to his dad's head yeah, and again you can see the, the the fear in Nacho like this entire season you can feel all of that fear oh the puppy that's the little bubba he yeah, so this bubba. is Dexter he often likes to like peek his head around things so we call him a Milford man and then my other dog is Anyang so it's like I call him Buster tell sometimes a Milford man Buster and Anyang. <laughs> yes. Oh, he's so sweet. I love him. Okay. Let's talk about real quick. My biggest like scream moment of the series was when we had freaking Hank and Gomi show yes. up. Like, it was so good to get to because like we left Hank fucking dead in a horrific place and now we get him back. We get him and Gomez like fucking Riddiffin and Hank like just being his big boastful self in every aspect except for you can tell in this series that he's like scared or he's like understanding the gravity of the situation but he's still like putting on a front for the fucking people that he's work that are working for him it's just it's so good i'm so happy to see him back and i'm also glad like it, it shows again with better call Saul. the reason why it's so much better than a lot of other prequel series is because vince gilligan knows how to restrain himself like he knows obviously people are going to be so jazzed to see hank and gomi again like obviously and i love their chemistry together their chemistry is oh, just so, so perfect good. but like you only get them for a couple of episodes. Like you don't mm-hmm. get like, it's not like they're just here. And then they're just like here all the time. And I'm sure that that's also going to happen in season six, where we're going to get more of them because obviously like this whole meth thing is upswinging in Albuquerque so much that now, of course the DEA is getting involved. So we're going to get a little bit more of them, but I like that there's restraint there because it would be very mm-hmm. easy in a prequel series like this to be like, Oh, well let's get Dean Norris for like eight episodes you know right. and just have a whole gomi and 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 uh and hank subplot and i just i don't think that works because you know you don't have the realistically if you're thinking about this from a timeline perspective you don't have the connection to walter white yet you don't have the family connections all he does he he does when they're when they're on the stakeout he complains about something marie does at some point which just made me laugh because it was like yep <laughs> But yeah, I loved seeing them, but I love the restraint that Vince Gilligan's able to show to not just give in to fan favorite situations and actually be true to the story that he's telling. Yeah, because we have so many, especially, I mean, we're five seasons into this series now. Like, we have so many of these new characters that aren't a part of Breaking Bad that we're so invested in. And I love that it basically is using the characters that we already know and love to tell that story and to make like, I mean, you could very just as easily have, I mean, I know, uh, God, now isn't I, why can I not Tuco, you know, Tuco's still in prison and they even mentioned him in this season where like, he's going to run things when he gets out, which of course, yeah. by the time breaking bad begins, we've seen, you know, but it could have been very, very easy to just crutch everything on just the breaking bad actors but they've built such a great supporting cast in this that now we're so invested in these characters and really as as someone who's watching this like i'm terrified to see what's like again nacho is headed for something very tragic howard's gonna just howard like nobody gives a fuck what's gonna happen to howard like he's gonna you know still have perfect hair and a perfectly chiseled jaw and you know Everything. And a tan and blonde hair. Be running Hamlin, Hamlin, Miguel, and just, you know, be doing his thing. But, I mean, I mean, to, and we know where, obviously, Mike and Gus and <sighs> Saul Goodman end up. But 
I mean, to bring it back, we don't know what happens to Kim. We don't know. I mean, I, I, I just, I'm, I'm, I have the cast, I have the cast list up in front of me. How great was the scene at the at the nursing home where Hector Salamanca is, where they like take him to the birthday party and they put the birthday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and seeing now with better call Saul what an intimidating motherfucker he was and then what he's reduced to yeah. is just like poignant yeah it's, i love it's, it it's i love the way that this that this show has it, it's its own thing and it's it's got so much brilliance to it and so much great nuance to it but it really is such a, a a wealth of information and knowledge that we're learning about all these different elements that made breaking Brat bad as great as it was so like imagine the journey from this like at the very beginning when you start with the beginning of better call saul and go all the way through to the end of breaking bad and then through even um the el camino like i mean just that arc like i'm doing that once better call saul is over i'm starting it from the beginning and just immersing myself in this insanity yeah, I, I I can't wait. Rebecca has never seen uh she's <gasps> never seen Better Call Saul. She's seen Breaking Bad. She really likes it. Anne hasn't seen Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul. Yeah. I mean, and at this point, yeah, it's like why you just wait until season six comes out and then and then just go through all of it. But is it confirmed that's the last season? It's season it, yeah. six. We're getting one more Ooh. and that's it. One more. So oh. the way that this season ends too, because we haven't even talked about the way that this season ends with Nacho basically, I mean, and Nacho opens the oh, door. Oh yeah, opens the like first he goes to meet like um he he goes to meet the Don of the cartel and like they really want to kind of build him up a little bit higher and he's really kind of earned Lalo's trust at this point. But of course he's working against him and lets them into the compound. Lalo at somehow. Lalo's compound. They're in Mexico. Oh. Like this is Lalo's home base fortress that he has made. And fucking go ahead. I'll let you go now. I'm just. I'm just. It, like I. I think it's. It, it's incredible. Like the way that he is able to like thwart like this whole SWAT team by number one like throwing the pan of oil into the face like uh just brutal and then like he has that little escape tunnel to escape from the compound and then he circles back goes down into the tunnel and just kills everybody else like and, and then, then peels the fucking face mask off the guy he threw the hot oil uh, on like Ugh. Ugh. and then he has that shot he has that moment because nacho of course is meant to escape and use the opportunity to escape while lalo gets killed and then you just have that shot where lalo looks over at the table where they were both drinking tequila and sees that you just know that lalo is going to be gunning for nacho now and like and that is not somebody you want on your ass yeah no and you know like we've already heard gus and mike have a conversation in this season at some point like nacho is only as useful to gus as he is for information on the salamanca family gus is not going to protect nacho new no. so new no. that's the real question we know he's headed for a tragic end but how which side i guess is the more important question which side is it that's going to get him yeah i i mean i'm not excited to see what happens to this man because he has really endeared himself to me throughout this series and i yes he chose a life of crime but at this point it's escalated beyond what his control is and it just it's tragic like i love the relationship with his dad like he just, it breaks my heart. This show, I knew from the beginning was going to break my heart. And I'm so emotionally invested in these characters that I am nervous for all of them. I mean, yeah. I mean, except for Howard. Nobody's nervous for Howard. Yeah, fuck that motherfucker. <laughs> hashtag fuck Chuck. I got your card, by the way. I love the hashtag fuck Chuck. Yeah. I mean, I and I And I got a sparkly was- envelope. Was that last season? Those those were those were from Rebecca. She, no, this she is me from this year. Oh, the gotcha. Yeah, she gave me Made all the me thank happy. you cards to to send out, and yeah, they were all super sparkly. And she's like, "These are kind of girly. Do you care if you send these out?" And send I was it like, to me. I was like, "Hell yeah, I'm sending these to people." Like, I've got a card them. wall like above my fireplace, my faux fireplace. There's like a whole open wall, and I just have all the cards I've gotten, me and Dan have gotten from people, like thumbtacked up there, so we can like feel the love. 
And that's very there's a, there's a really good question because of course last year we talked a lot because obviously season four dealt a lot with the aftermath of Chuck's death and we even got like a flashback scene or two last year with Michael McKean coming back as Chuck. But did you miss Chuck this year? Like no, even in flashbacks? No, no, no. Or no, do you feel I did like not we've gotten him. enough of Jimmy's backstory pre Better Call Saul in in the flashbacks that we'd gotten in the first four seasons that we don't need any more Chuck in those flashbacks? I feel like they have done an adequate or I guess, exemplary job of letting us and making us understand that relationship. It's run its course at this point. It would be kind of like beating us over the head with it. They do a great job of giving you all the information, making you feel and understand it, but then letting the the show run its course for where it would be naturally in the story. Yeah, and I agree 100% because I think you get at one point, you know, Jimmy and Kim are having a heart to heart and he's like, who is Jimmy McGill? He's just Chuck McGill's loser brother. Like nobody's going to care, but I, he has an opportunity here. And, you know, of course we know everything that is going to come for that character when he meets Walter White and everything else, but he has this opportunity now to forge his own identity that he's not tied to that McGill name. And I think that's another great reason. Like, I, I, I mean, again, I just love Love, love, love. My favorite thing in this season was when Jimmy just absolutely rips Chuck a new asshole in the courthouse. I just absolutely not love Chuck it. Howard. Oh, Howard, sorry. Um, I, I just I absolutely love it because they've been just such merciless cocksuckers to him the whole time. And yeah, it's just it's it's amazing. So, like, I really, really love they do a couple of different montages. Like the first one is when Saul is doing the phone giveaway um, to promote himself as Saul Goodman, the lawyer. And it shows like how he's talking to all the people and he's got like the pink suit on. It's like a whole carnival theme. And he's calling himself like the magic man. And he's just spinning all these stories. Oh, my God. Fucking great. And then they do another montage when he's in the courthouse and he starts out with him waiting for the ADA to come out. And instead, it just follows him through where he's talking to all these people and like working all this like magic and like making like people who should be in jail not. It's I, just and the flow uh, of it is so good. You just see him. He's in his element. He's fucking killing it. And you're just constantly like blown away by this fucking skeezy guy. And you see it even, too, when he goes out to the desert to to uh, God, I cannot ever remember the character's name. Um, but the old man, you know, out there. Ackerman. Ackerman. Yeah. Uh, when he when he's out there with Ackerman, like, I love that whole montage, too, where you just like literally have like the ladies out there digging for ancient Indian artifacts. And like, they do the fucking spray paint of Jesus on the wall. Yeah, the spray painted. And then like he he takes all of the fire alarms and takes all the I, I don't know what the, the batteries actual, yeah, it's it. Well, it's like there's because there's whatever the whatever the material is in the fire detector that like detects whatever. But whatever it is, like he takes like what hundreds of fire detectors and like grinds it up, and then, like they sit there and they reel a trail of it. So it's like, oh yeah, this is really radioactive. We're gonna have to shut this down for a day. And like that that one that that like hap the hapless sheriff who just keeps walking up. He's like, I'm gonna have to make a call. call. <laughs> <laughs> so so much like that's where you, you get those heavy dramatic elements in this series and i mean this series at, at the very least because it is still saul centric it's still jimmy mcgill centric whatever you want to say with bob odenkirk at the center of it like it has to have those comedic moments it's lighter than breaking bad in that way and i think it it really really offers those kind of light moments when, when yeah you, when, when you when you're watching this and it's not nearly as like heavily dramatic as as breaking bad was in that way even though you get a lot more hank in breaking bad he's kind of the comedic relief when saul's not around in that but i think breaking bad overall is still darker but we yeah. haven't seen season six yet so we don't know exactly how some of these characters are going to end and what's going to happen to them well i feel like even just focusing on the fact that jimmy slash saul is a character that does not have as much darkness like he's had a lot of dark stuff happen to him but his outlook is a little more positive than walter white walter white is a doom and gloom motherfucker like he's not gonna make light or make jokes about things that are hard he's going to fucking heisenberg that shit so i feel like that's probably why 
Prisini oh with a donation. Don't worry, Ashley. You don't have to do a shot yet. Uh, of eleven dollars and three cents. Uh, he says. What's even that total Jared, make it? Uh, the total right now. So we are so so close to eleven thousand dollars. We're at ten nine thirty six. We're so so close to eleven thousand dollars, which means we are only about four thousand dollars away. Yeah, Ashley. If we get to eleven during my segment, I'll finish this. Well, see, Ashley said. Ashley said when she got on, she's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna do a shot every twenty five dollars," and then literally the uh, it didn't stop erupting. It didn't. It it really really didn't. Rebecca's over here. That's who I'm talking to. <gasps> How are you? I want to meet you in person. I love you so much. I've had 10 shots, but that maybe more, but that is not why I love you. I love you because already. There we go. Perfect. Yay. Okay. One of the cool things. I'm so sorry. I have to cut it here. Uh, Our very own God of podcasting. The one, the only Loy sauce. The Loy sauce. Uh, $25 donation with the message shots, 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 shots. We are so, only $39 away, people. $39 from 11000 which means we get more moonshine from Drew Hallam as well. Side note, my sister had her first baby like in August, and I've recently been able to start hanging out with them again. She sings her the most fucking funny songs like Neo and shit like that. And I was like, Shorty got them apple, like all the fucking lullabies this kid is getting. Oh Hilarious. My God. Oh my God. That's absolutely amazing. Um, We've only got about 10 minutes left in the segment. So is there anything else about season five of Better Call Saul that you wanted to bring up or mention? Yes. Okay. So Crazy Eight is a member or like, I guess, a character that they spend a little bit of time with in the season. I fucking loved seeing the origin of his nickname because they're like playing poker and it's him versus Lalo. And he ended up folding a set of eights and he's kept calling him Mucho Loco. And it took me the second time of watching to realize that's where he got his fucking nickname, Crazy Eights. That's awesome. Yeah. He, like that he had, was cool as fuck. They were playing hold him and he had he had two eights on the on the on the deal and then there was an eight on the turn as well and he folded it because folded he didn't want to beat Lalo. And then the other thing that blows me away constantly with this show is the level of organization and like detail or attention to detail that Gus and Mike will take to I guess thwart any kind of suspicion. So like when they had the construction crew, first of all, he shows Lalo and the American Don, like the construction they were doing and has everybody there. But then when they're dispelling them, because like they can't finish the super lab, they drive them out into the desert, have all these different cars. Like these people are going here. You're taking this um, drive to this airport and doing that. Like the fucking amount of forethought that goes into this criminal empire is is so impressive literally insane i mean i i absolutely love it and um i'm so sorry ashley but bill sutton himself the bulldozer 38 dollar and 97 cent donation that Woo! is eleven thousand dollars ladies and gentlemen we are four thousand dollars away from the total christiani has hashtag put it in your mouth <laughs> put it in your mouth your motherfucking mouth but yeah i i, I agree with that and i also love Cheers. that scene as well because we get that moment um, where, you know, the one guy walks up to Mike and, you know, says something smart to Mike and Mike just straight punches him in the face. And then oh, the next... yeah, because he was like talking shit about uh, Ziegler. Yeah. And then the next guy comes up to him and just stands in front of Mike and says he was worth 10,000 of you. And Mike does nothing to him. And like, you can nope. tell that that cuts Mike. You can tell that it absolutely yeah. cuts him. Like, I mean, just... God, what a great moment that was. Because he agrees and he would never have done it if the situation were not what it was. Yeah. Like he was he just had to, and that fucking sucks. Yeah. It's... Um, let's <sighs> let's talk about fucking Saul and his also attention to detail when he has the fucking 
I guess, like student film crew pose as a news crew with the ADA to promote himself and like basically manipulate getting the outcome he wants in this case. Like that's fucking amazing. I love that. Those are the things that I'm going to miss when this series wraps up is just those one-off random characters, like the student film crew that always comes back and like follows him around. Like I love the, like in the earlier seasons when he's got like his, his little jalopy and they're Mm -hmm. all packed into it like a clown car and they're all getting out with all their film gear and stuff like i'm gonna really miss those kinds of things like when i go back to watch breaking bad because they're not in it like i'm really gonna miss those little bits of it i mean i'm i'm so glad that we still have huel babineau though i'm so love huel so so much dude how about that situation where jimmy was in court and he had the his fucking client or whatever sitting at the at the table and asked the witness to identify him, but he fucking switched it and had the guy that was actually the defendant sitting somewhere in the court and just like, oops, you can't, def- you can't identify him because obviously you fingered the wrong guy. Phrasing. My favorite thing. My favorite part about that scene too, is the judge just going, Oh, Mr. Goodman. <laughs> like you just, you just know that they're just like, Oh God damn it. Like he's he's just so creative in how he looks at problems and situations. It's just I can't even imagine how people come up with this shit. I I I honest to God can't either. So we've only got five minutes left, but I wanna I wanna ask you one question about not season five, but season six. Okay. In season six, I mean, ob- I really think we're going to get more Hank and Gomi, obviously. DEA has got to be involved now because they're already involved in everything mm-hmm. that's going on. And there's definitely a war coming big time between Salamanca and Frank. Yeah. 100%. But do you think we're going to get, I mean, and well, Marie doesn't really matter. But like, do you feel like we may see Walter, Jesse, or Skylar in season six, even if only for the briefest moment. I feel like the only way or the only one that we might see would be Jesse. And that's related to the crazy eight aspect of it. I don't feel like we get any of the whites involved. I would, I, I would agree with that. I really, really hope that we don't get, uh, we don't get any of Walter or Skyler. But I mean, remember Jesse knows, um, Jesse knows who Saul is like beforehand because he's the one that recommends that um, brings him over there so maybe like yeah. we see jesse picked up on something fucking stupid and saul helps matter like one of his friends or whatever yeah um okay so i have one last question for you Ooh, since we're almost done which character would you be most afraid to meet in a dark alley just one in a dark alley yep um lalo salamanca by far um mike unless you're doing something to wrong mike is not gonna he's mess not with gonna you. yeah gus um is obviously if you cross him very dangerous but you're not crossing gus by just passing him in an alley um and you know i mean some of the other characters like sure but i mean lalo you legitimately do not know what that because he's got a fucking next. crazy aspect to him that is unpredictable yeah exactly i 100 percent agree they, like yeah even nacho like nacho would not you know do anything no. like that or whatever like it's gotta be lalo Dude, I'm down. What about any of the previous seasons? Is there anybody else that we would be afraid of? Uh, Tuco. <laughs> Times Honey, a million. Tuco at the fucking top. Like, that guy is fucking unhinged. Yeah, there's no way Tuco Salamanca is not the top of that list for the whole, both series combined. Like, he's numbers one through ten. Numbers one through a hundred. <laughs> like, you'd rather run into literally the entire rest of them combined before you ran into Tuco yeah like like even lalo like there's a chance you might just be like yeah all right and i mean the cousins again unless you've wronged the salamanca family aren't gonna care you know but tuco like shit you could scuff your shoe next to him wrong and he's probably gonna shoot you (laughs) yeah he's and then like the other thing that i was thinking while watching this show is watching how meticulously gus is building his empire and then knowing that it all gets toppled by a high school chemistry teacher (laughs) is fucking awesome that's that's the genius again like you said that's the genius of vince gilligan and and how much work he's doing in here we've only got a couple minutes left ashley um you've had an insane amount of bourbon for a human person in one hour um but i absolutely love your beautiful face anyway here we go um, 
I love you. Thank you for doing Sam, all of this. Like, what do you say? Sam just donated $20. He said, here's to my swear at everything female equivalent. Cheers. <laughs> It's it's gone, guys. She already finished all of it. She already drank. There was all a couple drops. So please, um, let the audience know really, really quickly where they can find you out there on the web. All right. So Rabbit Ears TV podcast. It's on in on fucking bourbon on any podcaster or podcatcher of choice. Um, there's also a Facebook community that is called the Couch Potatoes because I am a couch potato. Um, but yeah, I am not super active on social media, but if you want to fucking reach out and suggest a show or anything like that or talk about TV, I am here to be a psycho with you. And I am drunk, bitch. Well, thank you so, so much, Bubby. Uh, I love your face. Uh, I love we'll, your face. We'll thank you again for this event. Like, this is so awesome. I was getting a little misty earlier thinking about, like, the effect of cancer on different families and people. So, like, it just makes me happy that people are all involved in wanting to do something positive. Absolutely. I love your beautiful face. Uh, I love you. We'll try not to kill Dan. Uh, if you do, it's not okay <laughs> ish it's fine i love you and i can't wait to talk about season six with you next I year i know I bye. bye bye well ladies and gentlemen we are saying bye bye to this good bubby